you for taking time to listen to this sermon podcast from First United Methodist Church and of our campus in Lexington, Kentucky. It is our prayer that as you listen today, you will be encouraged, challenged, and equipped to be all God has for you. We invite you to join us for worship on Sunday mornings at either 8.30 or 11 o'clock a.m., at our Todd's Road campus near the Hamburg area of Lexington. Friends, it is truly an honor to get to bring in the word today, to get to dive into this text and to uh, hear afresh a word from our God. It's an honor on this last Sunday of the year uh, to get to speak to all three communities of First Methodist Church. You know, uh, for seven years, my job was one of the very few in our church who uh, had the bigger picture of the whole of First Church in mind. Uh, to get to look across all of our campuses and see uh, how we could support the ministry happening. And uh, I have a deep love for all of our communities. Uh, Offerings uh, was the the church that really helped restore my faith in the Bride of Christ, that there could be a place where people uh, wrestle with the text and wrestle uh, with the deep questions of faith and who love each other well despite our flaws and who believe in uh, taking seriously what the text calls us to. I've loved our downtown community and so many of you whom I've worked with on the committees over the years to get to know your heart and uh, your passion, to see in ways in which uh, you in particular have have kind of stewarded uh, these resources of this 220-something-year-old church, 230-something-year-old church now, uh, and and, uh, hopes of continuing to further the mission of our church. And and dear Andover, um, my um, my heart belongs to you for the ways in which uh, I've seen God's graces in your life and the ways in which you have uh, borne witness to his goodness, the ways in which you have taught me about hospitality and love and uh, radical discipleship. First Church is a special church. Uh, We're we're part of something uh, unique and and wonderful. Uh, A lot of pastors can't say that uh, throughout the course of this year they have felt loved and supported, but we have. You have been an incredible church uh, to, uh, to lean in, to, to show up, to, to still be faithful, and to trust that uh, God will sustain you through it all. I hope uh, your hearts and your minds are prepared uh, and are ready for a fresh word from God today. Would you pray with me? Holy and loving God, on this uh, Christmas Sunday, we pause for a moment and ask, why does it matter? How are our lives different because Christ took on flesh? What happened then that affects now? And how might we live as we wait for your second advent and that arrival when all things are made right? Open our hearts and minds to hear afresh uh, from you today to leave and be tra- sent forth as a transformed people. We love you and we praise you. It's in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, and by the power of your Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. Uh, I've, I've told the story a few times about my, uh, my move from high school to college. Uh, for me, this was one of probably the most life-defining times uh, I've ever had. I grew up in a small town in eastern North Carolina, right on the outskirts of a little bit larger town, a a major university town with arts and culture. But I went to a school where we graduated 150. 
Uh, I did not have to work very hard to get good grades. I uh, kind of coasted along and was still top, top 10 in my class. I was the best violin player in Farmville. I was uh, one of the eight best tennis players at Farmville, though that is not saying much. Um, yeah, I went into the big city for my church and for my youth group. I was the president of the student action leadership team. I played in the youth band. I went on all the mission trips. And I had my identity. All these things shaped and formed who I was. Uh, my plan was to go to the University of North Carolina with, with all of my best friends from church. We were going to all get in and go. We would find out how to live together and just kind of continue uh, these relationships. All of my friends got in except for me. So I, uh, in my devastation, decided I still had to get away from home. I, I loved my family, but I needed to go do something different. And so I got into an engineering college, NC State University, and got accepted to their business school to major in accounting. I showed up from this little small town uh, to the state capital of North Carolina. I went from little country roads to the belt line that you have to navigate to get anywhere. I went from uh, top eight tennis players in uh, Farmville to not even the top eight tennis players in my PE class at state. I went from coasting through my high school math classes uh, to feeling completely helpless and lost in a calculus class of 600 people. I had no church, and I had no uh, built-in friend group. I uh, began to completely lose all sense of who I was and what my life was about. I um, spiraled out of control and questioned everything. Ultimately, I dropped out of school after just about a month and moved home with my family uh, and arrived thinking, well, at least then I can just kind of return to normal. But things weren't normal. I was no longer in the orchestra at school. I was no longer on the tennis team at school. I was no longer a kid in the youth group. This church who had been so tender as they raised me up was not uh, equipped and ready to handle uh, this uh, guy who had just kind of spiraled out of control. There, there wasn't a place for me anywhere. And so I came home and I sat. My, my parents eventually said, well, if you're going to come here and live with us, you at least have to get a job. And so I, I got a job at a grocery store and, and thought I would find my identity there. And I found it lacking. I went and uh, tried some other churches and found them lacking. I had no friends and was lonely. And I had no church. I had no roots. I had no identity. There was nothing uh, to anchor me other than my parents. It was a dark, dark time for me. I wonder if you stop and think about times in your life, and it might have been this year, and it might have been 90 years ago, about how uh, you were shaped and formed by who you are and what you do. There's a reason that when we first meet somebody, we ask, what do you do for a living? Or where do you go to school if they're younger? You know, we ask our youth, what sports do you play? What clubs are you part of? Think about that time when you didn't have a good answer. Or you had an answer that was dissatisfying. I am this, but I find no joy in it. 
I do this, but there is no delight. I was this, but now I'm not. You and I are not alone as people who have gone through seasons where we lose our identity, where we uh, grasp for that which will uh, keep us rooted. It's throughout the story of God's scriptures where God's people continually seem to just go off, off course and lose who they are. We see it uh, from the, the first part of the garden where humanity uh, gets in this distorted relationship with God. We see it uh, as humanity uh, runs away in the time of Noah. We see it, uh, quite frankly, uh, very clearly in the Exodus as the people begin to wonder, maybe it would have been better to just stay in Egypt. At least there we'd have food and not starve and not dehydrate. Who are we and what are we about? We, we see it in the exile as they're taken off to Babylon and they sit in the wilderness or in the, the, uh, the exile and wonder, who, we, who are we? A great many of them find their new identity as, uh, as Babylonians. They assimilate into the culture. They worship the Babylonian gods. And uh, they are no more as Israel. They uh, eventually come back into the land. And yet they still seem to not have an identity. Because their identity was rooted in Torah and in God's presence. God's presence is... Uh, it might be in the temple, but nothing like it used to be. And, and how do we deal with Torah now that, now that we aren't really a nation? We're a, a people group and uh, subservientness to Rome. Christ comes on the scene and, and answers many of those questions. And yet, even the first churches wrestle with how do we be Christ followers? How do we find an identity now in this new paradigm. Uh, how do we live in harmony as Jews and Gentiles? What is it that makes us uniquely who we are? Uh, our text in today comes from the book of Galatians, this book that is full of wrestling with identity and what it means to be God's people. Paul's writing to a church in uh, Asia Minor, kind of somewhere in modern-day Turkey, a, a group of people who... Um, are wrestling with what it means to be in Christ. See, uh, Paul has, has founded this church, this uh, group of uh, Gentile believers with some ethnic Jews uh, thrown in who, who are now part of God's promises. But a, a group has come from out of town saying that no, to, be, to be part of the way, to be a follower of the Christ movement, you, you, you need to also become Jewish. Specifically men, you need to get circumcised. This is the sign that you are God's people. And a great chaos breaks out in the church because maybe we do need to be Torah observant. Maybe we do need to keep the feast and the festivals. Maybe we do need to be uh, circumcised as our men. Maybe we do need to make sure we're following the 618 rules. Maybe we do. Maybe we do. And they spiral into chaos. And so Paul writes them this letter to argue about how they should truly understand themselves. He spends the first couple chapters setting up uh, the, the conflict in town. He sets up uh, what's going on. Uh, and then we dive into chapter 3 where he begins to address the people. He says to them, 
Understand that in the same way that Abraham believed God and was credited to him as righteousness, those who believe are the children of Abraham. But when it saw ahead of the time that God would make the Gentiles righteous on the basis of faith, Scripture preached the gospel in advance to Abraham, all the Gentiles will be blessed in you. Therefore, those who believe are blessed together with Abraham who believed. Let those who rely on the works of the law, uh, they're under a curse because it's written, everyone is cursed who does not keep on doing all the things that have been written in the law scroll. But since no one is made righteous by the law as far as God is concerned, it is clear that the righteous one will live on the basis of faith. The law isn't based on faith. Rather, the one doing these things will live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. He redeemed us so that the blessing of Abraham would come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus and that we would receive the promise of the spirit of faith. Paul tells them, you, you're, not, you're not under this law in this way before. Your, your guiding force is no longer Torah, but faith. And that's faith that makes you heirs of the promise of Abraham. It's faith that makes you part of this Jesus movement. It is faith that lets you be in Christ. You, you, you wonder then, what does Paul do with the law? And he says, uh, but uh, faith has come and we are no longer under custodian. Yes, you are all God's children through faith in Christ Jesus. All you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free, nor is there male or female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. Now, if you're Christ, then indeed you are Abraham's descendants, heirs according to the promise. Paul uses this uh, dual imagery throughout this, this text of uh, Israel as prisoners and Israel as slaves. Both of these are uncomfortable metaphors, um, but they speak to um, an uncomfortable truth. Prisoners lose their identity and they lose their way. Slaves have their names uh, discarded and they, are, uh, they lose their own uh, sense of self. They lose any dignity. And Paul argues that before Christ, all the law could do was, was remind us of, of where we struggled. And it would reveal our sinfulness and and in fact, it would imprison us and enslave us, kind of hold us together, kind of keep us until that time when Christ would come to set us free. Uh, N.T. Wright in his book, uh, uh, The New Testament in This World, says this, uh, if one is in the Messiah, then one is in Abraham's family. Faith and spirit are the signs of belonging to God's people, and justification and adoption are the benefits of belonging. Therefore, Paul urges, do not submit to circumcision. It effectively brings you into a new form of slavery. Instead, enjoy the freedom of the Messiah and the power of the Spirit. I, I, I love how he deals with this text, that he recognizes that, uh, that being part of 
God's story, belonging roots everything else. That being in Christ, we find ourselves justified, made right in the divine uh, sense. And we found ourselves spirit-filled. We find ourselves set free. And we actually find ourselves free to holiness with a whole new relationship to the law. No longer bound up by it, but set free to delight in it. Uh, Paul uh, begins to reframe for them that you are first of all in Christ. You're no longer Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male or female, for we are all one in Christ. I love the way Dr. Jason Myers uh, talked to our group studying Acts earlier this year. Uh, we talked about this passage and how that's just crazy because people are still Jewish and they're still Greek and they're still male and they're still female. And, and quite frankly, they're still slavery and they're still free folks. Uh, I love the way he framed it for us. Uh, being in Christ does not do away with these, but it relativizes the importance of them. It says, you, yes, you, you're absolutely male. But first, you're in Christ. Yes, you're absolutely uh, a slave. But first, you're in Christ. Yes, you're Greek, but you're first in Christ. And it's this that unites us together as one family. And it's this that defines us and gives us our identity. It's this that gives us our sense of self and our sense of belonging I love that Paul uh, orients this first, not in the cross, but in the incarnation. In today's text we read, but when the fulfillment of the time came, God sent his son, born through a woman and born under the law. This was so he could redeem those under the law so that we could be adopted because you were sons and daughters. God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts crying, Abba, Father, Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son or a daughter. And if you're his child, then you're also an heir through God. For Paul, the, the crucifixion and resurrection are absolutely central uh, elements of the Christ story in his theology. But uh, first rudeness was the incarnation. Christ taking on flesh as this little baby born of a woman under the law. That this is the pivotal moment that changes the course of humanity and the destiny of those that would call themselves God's people. No longer bound up by law or bound up by the inability to keep the law. Now set free in Christ through his incarnation. This becomes our identity. In Christ in the Messiah. It becomes the primary orienter of our lives. Because Christ took on flesh in the person of Jesus, we are set free. And everything else about us is relativized. Male or female, but first you're in Christ. Rich, middle class, Poor, first you're in Christ. Republican, 
Democrat, independent, anarchist, socialist. First, you're in Christ. Of each nationality, of each gender identity, of, of all of our own ways of identifying. Absolutely. But it's relative to being in Christ. It took me a couple years uh, to begin to find my identity. Uh, a young youth pastor at my home church called me up and said, I know you haven't been around church. I know you're not doing these things, but I would love if you would come help out with sound. He uh, brought me in and took me under his wings and, and taught me what it meant to be in Christ, to be set free from uh, the bondage of legalistic Christianity, to be set free from an identity rooted in what I can do, to instead find my rootedness in Christ. I'd love to pretend, or I'd love to be able to say that I never uh, struggle with that anymore, that I never find, feel self-doubt or uh, question anything about who I am or what I do. Instead, it's a, a, a daily practice to remind myself of whose I am and who I am to examine my day and, and wonder, have I been faithful as one who is in Christ? Or have I been first this or this or this? I'd like to ask you, do you see yourself first as in Christ? Or as this or this or this? Because friends, those things will ultimately, at some point, leave you lacking wondering who you really are and who you really are, wondering uh, what your true identity is. I'd love to invite you as we wrap up this year and head into the next year to embrace a light life of contemplation where you examine and say, have I put this label or this label or this label above being in Christ? Christ came under law, born of a woman, to rescue us, to make us sons and daughters of the God Most High, to set us free through His Spirit, to, to make us a holy and righteous people, and then ultimately to be His very body, to bear witness in the world to His goodness and to point people to His face. And then He has called us together as the church, the family of God, Service as emissaries in the world, to be the salt that makes the world tasty, to be the light that shines on a hill, to be the people first and foremost rooted in Christ. Would you pray with me? Holy and loving God, that you took on flesh and humbled yourself for us. Is remarkable. The amount of grace and mercy you demonstrate, and even that act, is unspeakable. And that you don't require us to be Torah obedient, but instead to be in you. Thank you. Lord, for the times that we have found our identity in other categories and other designations, 
forgive us. Help us from this day forward to find ourselves rooted in you, in your personhood, and in your story. That we might go out as the united family of God, heirs of Abraham's promise, sons and daughters of the God Most High, set free, gifted with your spirit, and loved by you. Pray all this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, the incarnate one, and by the power of the Holy Spirit who enables us to live in Christ. Amen.